1: And welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Bias, your host. And along with our producer, Alex Diaz and everyone here at Radio Maria Canada, we'd like to thank you for listening in. Please keep up to date and informed about our shows and guests on our show and lots of other things that we like to put on social media by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on those locations. And our email address is thh at radiomaria.ca if you'd like to get in touch with us that way. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radio maria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. We have an enchanting guest on our show today. He's a wonderful speaker, very engaging, and his name is Archie Messersmith Bunting. Archie is a Virginia native and served as the Assistant Director of Programming at Illinois State University in 2010 and Fraternity Services Director at Sigma Pi Epsilon Fraternity Headquarters in 2013, where he created the organization's first member safety curriculum focusing on consent, sexual assault prevention, and healthy relationships, Archie was also the inaugural vice president of campus operations and health and safety for the North American Interfraternity Conference in 2017, where he championed the organization's health and safety initiative and the adoption of its alcohol and drug guidelines. In 2019, he transitioned to full-time speaker and consultant providing leadership mental health, and alcohol drug prevention education at corporations like Celanese and the Job Sauce, and at college campuses, including Clemson University, Iowa State University, and the University of Southern California. Using dynamism and authenticity, Archie champions mental health aware- awareness world- worldwide and corporations at corporations and universities. He challenges people to rethink complicated and emotional topics like depression, suicide, alcohol, and drug addiction. Through his company, Archie Cares LLC, Messer Smith Bunting aims to reframe the narrative surrounding mental health illness and addiction by facilitating honest and vulnerable conversation. We talk about a lot of things in our interview. Some of the highlights are are there good and bad feelings? Why should you never use the term how are you doing? And are the steps are there steps that we can take right now for cultivating mental health self-care? please do join us. This is a wonderful interview. Archie is very engaging and a great speaker to listen to. We will be back in just a few minutes.
2: And so astounding. Love is an ocean, you can drown me, the sweet embrace, the lovely taste I taste the sea, I'm under grace, the place to be, it means I'll never need an umbrella, I'm cool in the cold in the hot weather, whether or never I ever, understand I'm a man in the hands of great plans to stand with faith, and a life I never know to touch, and still I stop my clutch, but I'm like, what's the dream of, what's the hope in, what's the doubt for, live to no end, this is living, the life I've been given is a gift, if I'm a living, I'ma live with the death, so what's the dream of, what's the hope in, what's the doubt for, and live to no end, this is living, the life i going to given is a gift, if I'm a living, I'm a living. It's living am yeah.
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everyone. As mentioned, today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. Uh, Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at The Health Hub RMC on those locations. Archie, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
1: It's just an absolute pleasure. Uh, Your story is dynamic. Uh, What you do is wonderful for such a growing area of, uh, you know, in the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us about your story and how you've used your story as the launchpad for what you're doing?
3: Yeah, yeah, I would. I would love to. Um, so the Reader's Digest version, so we're not here all day, uh, is is <laughs> Let's that get to um, know you, though, I mean, yes, I know. But, you know, we could be here all day, girl. <laughs> all day. Um, so I am a recovering IV drug user. Um, I also um, have a diagnosed mental illness. And, um, I grew up with lots of shame and, and guilt, uh, because I'm also gay and growing up in the deep South when I was growing up, um, it was not okay to be a gay. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there was so much when I finally escaped, uh, uh, Alabama and moved to New York city to be a performer. There was so much self-hatred and self-loathing and internalized homophobia. And the very first time I ever tried drugs, it made all of that go away, um, like all of the hurt and the pain went away. And so that began began a decade-long journey um, through addiction, which eventually led me to the point of um, attempting suicide. And, um, and so you're right. I use all of that today to help others. Um, there is a lot of poop in the past. Um, but what I, what I really do every time I speak, um, when I, when I, I I just got back from an 18 day speaking tour. Um, so I might not try that again. That was a little much, um, to be really honest, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) You know, at the beginning of every one of my presentations, whether I'm doing a presentation for student, for college students, high school students, corporate America, um, faculty and staff of universities, and those were all things that I did on those 18 days. I always begin with revealing that part of my past because I want people to understand that um, – this guy has done this thing. This guy has been through this, even though I don't know him, let me lean in just for a second and pay attention just for a minute. And maybe I'll learn something new. Um, And that's the, that's the gift of what I get to do today is that I get to take the the of the past and turn it into something really positive for people's future.
1: Yeah. Sharing stories, sharing your personal story is, is a, a drum that I beat All the time. I share my story. I encourage other people to share their stories. Um, You never know who you're going to touch. And obviously, when you started sharing your story, there was traction there. Uh, You have a large following and people who gravitate to your message. Now, before we get on to the serious stuff, I thought I'd done my research, but you were a performer.
3: (laughs) 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 yes um yes in another life um (laughs) yes um i moved to new york city to be a performer i was a voice major in college and so i am a singer uh and i you know i had success i was in broadway tours and i i um i performed on cruise ships that I'm grateful took me around the world. I mean, who goes to Antarctica? So I mean, I've literally been around the world. And so I am I'm grateful for those times in my in my life. And what's interesting is that when I was when I was growing up like in high school and then in college and then in New York, like I really honestly didn't think there was anything else that I not only could do but that I was like on this planet to do. Like I when I step on stage, I get comfortable. I don't get nervous. Um and what I've really realized over the past couple of months is that I am still performing in a way. My goal now is not to make you um, laugh all the time and like escape reality for, you know, an hour and a half of a musical. And I, I am usually not wearing sequins today when, I, when I'm when i on stage. Um, but um, I I really honestly believe that's why I, one of the reasons I've been so successful. Number one, I'm just extremely authentic and more honest than most people ever think about being in front of a room of people. But number two, I just have stage presence for days. Um, and it is because I am most comfortable in a room full of thousands of people as opposed to like a room with one person. So, yeah.
1: Well, speaking, you you know, you're telling your truth, you're telling uh, stuff, but you have to do it in an engaging fashion. So you are marrying two very distinct aspects of your life. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Now I have a a question for you. Just sort of, this is the way I kind of do these things. It pops (laughs) up in my head. Um, Now you had an addiction and you said you Mm -hmm. had, um, uh, a diagnosed mental illness? Did one precede the other? And is one always linked to the other? Oh,
3: that's a phenomenal question. Um, so um, here's the, the, the research will show that, that many people who find themselves in a recovery community also have a, a mental illness. Um, a lot of times the, the two can go hand in hand. And, you know, I, I don't really know which one started first, Um, I will say for sure, and this is I I really I'm choosing my words carefully on purpose, because I believe that when you were given the gift of speaking to other people, you need to make sure you let people know, like, what's your opinion and what's the research. So my opinion is that my my mental illness was there long before. Um, because I believe that one of the reasons that I stayed in active addiction, which for so long was because at that point, my mental illness was undiagnosed. Um, so when I, when I first started trying to get sober, um, there's a very common phrase in the recovery community that I, I have learned in the past couple of weeks, it is, it is beginning to kind of fade away. Um, but when I was first coming in, um, the, the saying was, we're going to put everything on the shelf, but the drug. We're just going to put everything on the shelf with the drug. We're going to focus on the drug. We'll focus on everything else later. Okay. So that like, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't need to be special in my addiction, but like that was never going to work for me because my personal diagnosis is major depressive disorder with schizophrenic tendencies, um, which means I'm not, I'm, I'm not to where a psychiatrist would diagnose me schizophrenic, but I do oftentimes hear voices in my head. Um, and for me, when I was high, I didn't hear the voices. So it it, it was it, I was like self-medicating my mental illness before it was diagnosed. Now, after I got honest about the fact that I hear voices in my head, after I got honest about the fact that I, you know, um, attempted suicide and we got some medicine to help things kind of regulate. Well, then I began to get better. Um But so, and so now, you know, the mental illness is always going to be there. And, you know, I was really honest at the end of this 18 days that, you know, by day 17, the voices were back because I was just too tired to try to fight all the things that were happening. And so I just shared about that. And, um, you know, there were, to your point, there were people who were like, thank you so much because now I feel normal. And I was like, well, you are normal. You just happen to have a mental illness. It's no big deal. Um, So, yeah, I hope I answered all those questions.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, uh, diagnosed or not, I think everybody has to work on mental health. This isn't something that is gifted to most people. Uh, There are constantly areas of down spots in life and so forth. So, you know, the fact that you said you got tired and and things just seem to get a little bit more difficult really Mm -hmm. does, you know, it's, it's, it under you know underlines the statement that we all uh, need to facilitate working on our mental health, and I think it's that's an important message that you just shared with us. Now, are you a therapist?
3: I am not. And before, like I am not. So let me say no to that. But hold on. I just want to go back for one second. What I think it's really important for people to hear, and I, what I think we need to do a lot more often: we all have physical health. We all have mental health. We are all either working or not working on one or the other. Um, right now, I am not very focused on my physical health. I might have gained a pound or thirty during <laughs> the pandemic. Um, so. Uh, but right now that's okay with me. Like I, I don't marry, think you're
1: like, alone though.
3: <laughs> I know, right? But like I'm not trying to hit on nobody, like it's all good. <laughs> um, so that is not a current focus of mine. Well, because I'm not focusing on it, like I'm gaining a pound or two more. When I begin to focus on that again, like we actually have a treadmill. If I just get on the thing, then you know, I'm focusing on so it's the same thing. We are we are all either choosing to focus or not focus on improving our physical and or mental health. And I think the more that for the layperson we can, we can connect those two together. And it, uh, because actually like your brain is a physical part of your body. So we're, we're never going to be able to like unseparate the two. Um, and so I think if people just, just think about those two things in tandem, it actually makes it all make a lot more sense and a lot less scary.
1: Well, and I agree, and I think uh, as we are moving uh, farther along in the mental health space, that that marriage is becoming much more apparent. That there really is no separation. You have to be working on different things, but of course, uh, as you said, with as we move along in the health space, there are going to be different things that pop up that you need your focus on, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yep. One of, one of the big things that you focus in on uh, are feelings. And uh, I just have to tell you a quick story before you get into to your side of it. I remember uh, when I was going through my marriage counseling and uh, pretty much, you know, one of the few things I remember from it, because it was a, it was a, a bit ago, was the statement that um, feelings aren't wrong or Right they just are. And when you were, we were talking, you know, within under the umbrella of uh, a marriage and, and a relationship. And, you know, the person talking said, you can't be angry at somebody for their feelings, because they're a manifestation of so many different things. You might want to try, but sometimes you just have to say, okay, and you know, that has served me for 30 odd years. And so when I read that you are, you know, you, you talk about feeling so much. I thought this is going to be a long, strong talking point for the two of us. Um, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: now in your opinion, are there good and bad feelings?
3: No, no, mm-hmm. they're not. Um, uh, I, I love what you just said. And I, I say this all the time and I, for people, um, I mean, we saw each other for a minute, so I know that we we're both not like in college. Um, so there are, you know, as an undergrad, um, there. Yeah, I mean, never... my
1: master's working on the Ph.D. right. There now. you go. There you go.
3: <laughs> I mean, you never ask a woman or a gay man how old they are. Okay? Like you just do not. So, you know, there's a there's a famous scene in The Wizard of Oz where she goes, are you a good witch or a bad witch? And the answer is neither and it's the same thing with our feelings like there is no such thing as like are you a good feeling or a bad feeling because what i have learned on this journey of feelings is that we get to decide we get to name our feelings and so let me let me explain for your listeners cuz usually at this point people are like what okay so if you're out there listening and you've ever had a surprise birthday party or you've been to a surprise birthday party we can all agree that surprise birthday parties begin in fear It's just factual. People go surprise. And the person jumps like that is a, that is a scare. And when I'm, when I'm facilitating in person, I use this example and the person who's had the birthday party is like, Oh, you're right. It's scary. It's scary. Okay. That is fear in the, the emotion that's coming out is fear. However, we have identified, we have in our memory bank of our, of our memories, that is a happy moment in our life. Whereas if I'm taking the garbage out late at night and it's dark and it got, you know, okay, that fear, I don't have a, a positive moment attached to that. But they're both fear, fears, 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 fear. We get to name it though. We get to identify like, this is a good, this is good fear. There's no such a thing as good fear. This is bad fear. So, and again, there's no such a thing as bad fear. So I think for me, not I think, for me, when I learned, number one, when I learned the difference in emotions and feelings, and then when I learned that I got to name my feelings, what that allowed me to do was go back in time with my therapist, with the licensed clinician and say, hey, I want to examine some of these things that like keep coming up in my life. Um, those memories, those moments that come up and I have such negativity attached to them. And the reason why this is important, y'all listen up, the reason why this is important, it is true. Feelings aren't facts that is absolutely true but feelings do have power and we are giving the feelings the power and so what that means is we can take the power away and for me that freed up so much of this baggage in the in my past that I was assigning meaning to it and then therefore giving it power now it's you know it's a step by step process but what that also means moving forward is you know, when, when things come up, um, uh, we recently um, lost our, um, our black lab and I actually had to say goodbye uh, over, over FaceTime, which was not, not pleasant. Um, so the, the emotion in that is, is sadness and grief. That is factual. I get to choose what to do with that. Um, I get to choose how to process that. I got to choose that that moment, no matter how overwhelmingly sad that was for me, I had a job to do the next day. And so I was able to say, I am sad. I am also going to focus on these students that are in front of me that desperately want to have this conversation. And so I was able to marry, marry my feelings together, not put them in a bottle, but marry them together and say, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to let this feeling take over all of who I am. So kind of a long-winded answer there, but as you can tell, I'm very passionate about feelings.
1: Well, Archie, we just lost our dog a week ago. I'm so uh, amazed that you brought this up. We lost our dog a week ago yesterday in our arms in the Mm -hmm. kitchen uh, suddenly, and uh, I was supposed to be teaching uh, five minutes later. So I completely understand how you need to reframe, I guess you said, um, not justify, but maybe put them in their place. You know, for me, the way I dealt with that, which uh, as you know, as a dog lover was profoundly sad she's with us for almost 13 years as she died with us uh, as opposed to us making a decision. And is that mm-hmm. s- somewhat along the lines of what you might be talking about? You take that feeling, not that you're putting a positive spin on it, no. but you're, you're, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I would say then than trying to explain away and not make it as sad. Is that the right way? You know what I'm saying?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying. And I, I heard the noise you made and I was like, I didn't know what that was about. So, oh, yeah. um, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for bringing up uh, a no, moment, no. but, but, but I mean, in, in actuality, this is probably a moment in life that many, many listeners can understand. Um, any of us that have pets, that is the, um, that is the one downside yes, <laughs> to, yes. to having a pet. Um, so what I, what I meant by that was I, I knew, especially because of the way I had to say goodbye, my husband FaceTimed me from the vets. It was very sudden. We weren't expecting this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we FaceTimed, um, and I, I saw her ears perk up. So I know that she heard me, um, Uh, And like, even as I'm having this moment, this conversation with you, my, my emotions are being transported back to that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even right now I am doing it. It's, it's not that I'm choosing to ignore the emotion. The emotion is there and I am still processing through grief because we have other dogs that, our, our other oldest dog is constantly looking for her. Oh my God, um, same as us. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's, there's so much that just like keeps coming up. Yeah. The, the thing that I think that, that we as humans try to do is we try to run from a feeling. We try to bottle a feeling. We try to ignore a feeling. Okay, that doesn't work. Um, that does not work. Um, there, if, if there are things in your life, and, um, and I'll speak to me as well, Archie, if there are things in your life that you were ignoring, they're going to come up. And they often don't come up in pleasant ways. And so... I'm not even in this moment, as I'm talking to you, I'm not, I'm not, um, ignoring the emotion. I'm acknowledging it. I'm acknowledging that that is coming up for me. That also tells me that I haven't fully processed this. I mean, I know this information. I know that I have not fully processed the grief last night. I was trying to, we were driving home from Walmart and, um, my son began asking me if Peggy was going to come back from heaven and, um, why did Peggy go to heaven? And, um, you know, is, does Peggy have a playground in heaven? And I was trying to hold it together so I could, you know, exp- answer questions that I don't think any parent is really prepared to answer to a child um, out of the blue. So I know that the grief isn't done, and so for me in this moment, I'm acknowledging there's still grief there, but I'm also choosing that I can use this experience that I just went through to help others, and so I'm I'm focused on that in this moment, um, but. But, but so what would happen tomorrow is if Archie goes, ah, oh, I'm just going to ignore that. No, nope, that's not the way that feelings work. That's not the way that like the body works. It's going to keep coming up um, until I actually have a moment to stop and process and grieve. Um, I think grief is an interesting one that we're talking about, uh, because if you think about funerals, um, the emotion that everyone is experiencing is grief but people choose to feel that in different ways if you think back to the last funeral you've been to people are laughing people are telling you know inappropriate jokes people are in the corner uh, people are eating uh, people are stepping outside to you know drink from their flask that they brought um, so they are manifesting themselves in numerous ways or numerous people but the uh, the over the overarching emotion is grief but what we do with that we get to choose just like in this moment what i'm doing with the feelings that come up i get to choose
1: mm-hmm. Excellent advice. Everyone, uh, we're going to take a quick minute and regroup. We'll be back in a few minutes uh, to continue this great conversation with Archie.
2: Uh, last night put the heavy on me. Woke up and I'm feeling lonely. This world got a way of showing me. Showing me. Some days it'll lift you up. Some days it'll call you bluff Man, most of my days I ain't got enough And all I know Is you're my own
0: You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Archie Smith bunting and I think that... We, we left off on a bit of a sad note, but we're going to regroup and move forward. Um, <laughs> so uh, here's something that, you know, I found, you know, when I was looking into things, preparing for the show, a big thing that you think that is a no-no is actually asking people, how are you doing? <laughs> And I get, is that because that's a loaded question and be prepared no, for the no, answer? No no, 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 no,
3: no, let, let me explain. It always catches people off guard. Cause I always, um, I'll, I end every presentation, every keynote, every workshop I do, I end it with this and people are always looking at me like, what is this man talking about? But so I say to people, my ask of you is to please never say the words, Hey, how are you today ever again? Because it, it, I think we would all agree, all, everyone listening. When we say, how are you today? What we really mean is, hi. We just mean, hi. We're just being polite. And we probably really don't care in that moment. And so we're asking this question about how someone is doing. We really just mean, hi. So the question I think that we mean to ask is, how are you feeling How are you feeling today? That's a completely different question and gets to a completely different answer and space in someone's life. When you ask someone, How are you feeling? you're giving them permission to talk about what is going on in their life. What's really going on. And, you know, I do have a podcast called um, what a feeling, and it is all about, you know, the feelings in this feeling journey. And like, what does it feel like to win a gold medal? And what does it feel like to blah, blah, blah. So we, we dig into that, but I have my guests take this challenge that how are you feeling challenged before they come on? And it has been fascinating to hear the answers from people all over the world um, as they ask people, you know, when you say, like, how are you feeling? And I encourage you, if you're listening to try this today, the next time that you're tempted to say, hey, what's up? How you doing? Instead, say, how are you feeling? And then listen to the responses, because you're going to get responses like, why? Why, why do you want to know? You're going to get responses like, um, wait a minute, uh, feelings. Um, I guess I'm feeling good to which I'm like, well, that's not a feeling, but we're closer. Um, so I, I truly believe that if we change the way we greet and interact with each other, that we can begin to save lives because people will feel seen, heard, and cared about. And they know that when I say, how are you feeling to someone, they know they get to actually talk to me. Um, so that, that's, that's why I say that you should never say, how are you today ever again?
1: Fair enough. Now, are people receptive to this way of thinking, uh, talking about their feelings or is this really a step-by-step learning process that you take people through.
3: Yeah, you know, it's it's um, it, it, it depends. It depends. Um, I think that you know, by the time I finish working with people, they acknowledge the fact that they don't identify feelings. They don't know how to identify feelings because they never practiced it. There was a recent survey that came out that that most men um, can can identify three basic feelings like happy, sad, tired. Um, and I'm like, there's so many more feelings than that, but because we have no practice because we never talk about feelings because we're never asked to identify our feelings. Most people can't. So for most people, it is a journey, um, of, you know, going down the path. And so for people who are really committed to going on this journey, I encourage them. And I do this when people say, Hey, what's up? I, I say, you know what? I am feeling, uh, let's see how I'm feeling today. I'm feeling energized and, um, also a little bit stressed. I have a a little going on in my life. Um, so that's how I would respond. And so I, I practice myself naming feelings when people say, how are you today? So it's, it's, it's a bit of a journey.
1: So are you teaching people to do this process?
3: Yep. 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 We, um, we do it in groups. Um, we do it in, in workshops. And so I give people steps to, well, first of all, I teach people the difference in an emotion and a feeling, which like a hundred percent of the people that I've talked to have no idea there's they're different. Um, and so then when they begin to understand that, okay, wait, this is an emotion. What is this feeling I'm choosing to begin to, to stop and name it, identify it, and then choose how they're going to respond.
1: So do we need to be able to rename some of the feelings that we have? Or is that even a thing?
3: No, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, because like not not every... Uh, here's an example. Um, again, in society, we say the words, oh, I'm so depressed a lot. Okay. That is a medical diagnosis. You're probably just feeling sad or um, blue or tired or... You know, whatever, Um, and so we've given names to things that aren't actually feelings. And so, to be able to step back and go, okay, what, where, where is this coming from? Okay, I am sad because. So here is what I am going to do with that, or through that, or for that. Um, And so there, 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 it, it is a step process. It's not super complicated. It just takes people, first of all, identifying the fact that, like, huh, I've never done this before. Let me pause. It's the same thing. Let's just let's let's equate physical health and mental health again. If I did get on my treadmill, which I'm not going to, people, but if I did get on my treadmill and run for the next hour, I wouldn't be able to move tomorrow because I have not been on it in a hot minute or year. So same thing with mental health. We don't want to go into this and just be like, I am going to do all these things tomorrow you'd be exhausted. So like, I encourage people just, just, just take like one or two things. And like, I'm going to try this today, or I'm going to try this today. Um, And then as you begin to feel better, and as you begin to work those mental health muscles, then begin to do something new.
1: Those mental health muscles suppressed, are we taught to suppress them? And then we have to turn around and, and, (laughs) you know, redo the exercise program.
3: That is a phenomenal question. Uh, yes, is the real quick answer. Um, yeah, and, and so much of this is because how we are processed and, and taught to be polite. Um, you know, I was doing this, this thing for a, a news station in Alabama yesterday, and I was saying, you know, growing up in the South, we were taught, we were instructed not to talk about politics, football, or religion. Okay, the problem with that is that I never got to see anybody do that. I never got to see anybody have a rational, non-heated, non-go-off-the-deep-end conversation about those three things. Because what I was taught was that if you have those conversations, that's what's going to happen. So it created this thing inside of me that like that conversation is bad. Okay, those conversations aren't bad. But when I enter a conversation now today as an adult with that past emotional baggage, well then, that's how I that's how I, I view those conversations. So yeah, I mean, and, and and as men, whether I'm gay or not, you know, don't talk about your feelings, walk it off, you know, rub some dirt on it. Those are like real things. And so it it's fascinating when I, I do workshops for for people my age or older, and like I'm literally looking at the the men or those who identify as men in the audience, and like I'm seeing them going. There's so much unpacking to do here. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying like, take, take a step at a time because this is like decades of learned behavior that, that we can choose to unpack and do something differently.
1: Do we need to go backwards to go forwards or can we start where we are?
3: Yeah, we can start where we are. Yeah, it's actually easier just to start right here. It's easier just to start, um, start today and say, you know what, today from like starting today, I'm going to do my best not to reply fine when somebody says hey how are you today like that is a step that is a step in a feeling direction and then as you begin to get more comfortable then you can begin to do what i shared and again i'm a huge proponent of therapy um to be able to to think about those times um i call them yips in our life um it's a again it's like a a physical metaphor sports metaphor mm-hmm. there've been there've been many golfers whose career whose careers have ended because when they go to hit the ball they're thinking so much about getting the ball in the hole that they like miss the ball completely. They're, they're like emotional yips that come up in our life and they pop up and like, it's like we're like at a movie screen and we see the moment and we see the thing. And, and a lot of times they're like embarrassing moments or kind of gotcha moments or these, these moments where, where life, maybe sometimes the course of our life changed a little bit. We're giving that moment so much power and for why. So once you begin to stretch those muscles, then we can go back and, or you and your therapist, not you and I, you and your therapist can go back um, and begin to work through some of those things and to remove some of that power from that, that feeling in that moment in your life.
1: I have actually seen uh, people who, you know, it's not often who are asked, how are you doing? And they start to unload. Well, if you want to know, and this is and the person who asked the question was like, Oh sweet Jesus. What have I done? <laughs>
3: yeah. Like, you're like, I really didn't care. I really didn't care. Well, so, th- so then the way you get out of that conversation, is going, hi, just stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're not going to say anything else. And if, and if, and if you do want to know, and if you do have the time and if you do care about that person, ask the question. And so a lot of times people say, Archie, I'm never going to say, how are you feeling? And I'm like, okay, fine. So if you're going to say, Hey, how are you doing? And the person says fine or right or good or whatever they say, <laughs> be like, are, are you really fine? And then in that pause you've, and they're like, Oh, do you, do you really want to know? Yes, I do. I, I would love to listen and then just listen and let the person feel heard.
1: Who is calling you to speak to them? Like who are your groups? Who is, who is your main, or do you have one main audience or one or two main audiences that you are moving in and out of?
3: Yeah, so I currently do a lot of work in um, higher education and high school. Um, so I get I get booked a lot to do. Um, uh, new student orientation, um, kind of like high school seminars. I have some coming up. You know how they always have the high school assemblies. Um, mm-hmm. So I do a lot of that. But what I what I began to experience um, during the pandemic, which I call an experience because it just sounds more pleasant, um, I during the experience we all went through, I I began to do a lot more Zoom in work uh, for. Uh, corporations who would hire me to work with their teams um like the hr manager would call and say hey we need to have a conversation about mental wellness i'm like do we really shocking um so so my business is growing in that direction, and it's really fun. It's um, it's fun in a different way. Working with college students and high school students, you're get, you're getting them kind of at the beginning of their path, um, and so you're giving them things that they can begin to apply and use for many, many years. On the other end of the spectrum, for people my age, we're you know catching them kind of midway through the path. So you're you're getting to you're getting to help them course correct. So it's it's a different kind of fun.
1: When a CEO calls you and say says, we need uh, we need you to come and talk on mental health, they have to have a topic in mind. No, that's a broad category.
3: Yeah. It, uh, so a lot of what I do is self-care um, because to okay. your point earlier, I'm not a therapist and um, I'm not currently planning on getting a degree. I've got my two degrees. Um, I've got a master's degree in higher education with a focus in counseling. So, I mean, I, I understand the, the ins and outs and I understand my limitations legally, um, but also both just for my own mental health. Um, so a a lot of a lot of what I do, I consider to be kind of a band-aid, whether it's the high school, college, or corporate level. Like, I'm gonna give you things that you can begin to do today to manage anxiety, to understand these things called feelings. Um, what can you do when something comes up in the moment? Like today, I'm gonna give you things you can begin to do today. If things that I've talked about, if they spark interest in you, you're like, huh, I need to spend some more time on that then I encourage you to reach out to a licensed clinician to begin to, to go on that path there's some people though who will never do that so the band-aid I give them is what they've got so that and, and I I have found um, a great uh, personal satisfaction and business success in being able to be sort of the band-aid for people who either have never thought about going to therapy or are never going to go
1: so you're prov- uh, you you're provocative in a lot of your your um, your speeches and your working with people, I think you can provoke people to go seek further help, maybe to realize that they yeah. might need help. Um, yeah. Now, do you have a preventative path that you speak about or, or that's not part of the puzzle?
3: Uh, ask me a different way. Preventative path.
1: Preventative path. So someone doesn't really feel like they need anything, but you're going to give them steps to make sure that they stay in a good space.
3: Ah, gotcha, you, gotcha. You, good. Um, yes. Actually, I think that most of what I do is prevention work. Um, what's interesting is before I stepped into this world, I was the vice president of health and safety at a, a umbrella organization that supported um, fraternity men all over the country. And so my job was to do prevention-based work. Um, and so I have taken a good bit of that, um, that tutelage and my past and apply it to what I teach um, to the point that I, that I just made. I don't ever want to work with a group of people and give them things. It's going to take them two weeks to onboard. No, no, no. Like here are, here are literally prevention techniques today to begin to help course, correct some of the things that you're experiencing. Um, and then what usually happens is people either send me Instagram messages or emails and saying, Hey, um, I really resonate what you said. I'm experiencing this. Do you have any suggestions? And so then I'm very careful to say, not a licensed clinician, here's what worked for me, or here's what the research said. Um, and then, you know, give them things to begin to do along, along the way um, on, their, on their feeling and emotions journey.
1: Are there tips you can pass along right now? Just yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, everyday yeah. coping? Yeah,
3: of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, here is the news, neither good or bad news, just the news. Um, there is not a thing I can do to make the anxiety that's going to come for many of us. when we start traveling to families again, come anxiety is just a part of life. And, um, those like, ugh, those feelings are just a part of life. But a, a skill that I have learned and that I teach, um, is that when you find yourself, so I call them anxiety wheels, when the anxiety wheels start spinning, kind of right between my ribs that we, the anxiety is going to come period. So my options are to do things to spin the wheels faster or to do things to slow the wheels down. And a way that I do that is instead of asking what if questions, I ask what is questions. So instead of being like, well, what if this happens? Or what if she brings this up? Or what if they ask me like, that that is spin, 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 spin. Instead to stop and say, what is this feeling I'm feeling? What is this smell I'm smelling? What is this this sound I'm hearing? Like bring it into the present. If you bring it into the present and stop negative projecting, then the wheels begin to slow down because you're actually focusing on actual things, not what ifs. Then what you've got once you've gotten yourself into the what is moment and that is how I do it. I go into what is. I stop and remind myself, all these things that I'm thinking about have never happened. Now, there may be some past moments I'm calling on, but the things that I'm spinning in the future have never happened. And so for the next five minutes, I'm going to focus on what is, and I'm going to let that go away. And then I might choose to revisit this trip. But when I choose to revisit the trip again, if I start spinning again, i just go back to what is. So... All of us, everyone experience anxiety or stress over the holidays, either because we don't see our families anymore, because they're not here. We choose not to see them, um, whatever that is, or we go and there's all this stress. So as, as the stress of like family stuff begins to come up, stop with the what if and switch into what is, slow the anxiety wheels down, and then focus on what's in front of you.
1: I'm curious to know, uh, as you've, you know, you've lived your life, you're, you're in the mental health space. Do you feel, and this is completely an opinion, I know, do you feel that we are not as capable of handling emotions now as, say, generations before, or do you feel that because there's so much talk now around mental health that the understanding that maybe we've never been able to cope well is more along the line?
3: Huh. Um Huh.
1: It's it's personally, it's a question that uh, I I find very interesting.
3: Hmm. So my opinion is that as a as a as a society, we are more aware Mm -hmm. that mental health and mental illness exists. That's part one. Part two, I I think that social media, although it has its great benefits, and you know, podcasting is you know part of what I would consider like the, the social media sphere. Um, there's much of social media that is not helpful to mental health because we're constantly comparing someone else's outsides to our insides, um, and so I think that there's just a new level of yeah. mental wellness to be working through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I I think before when we were forced to pick up a phone and talk to somebody, there was a greater likelihood that we might talk through the way that we are feeling. Um, because now we do everything with our thumbs. Like that sort of has kind of gone away. Um, But, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if if we've lost the mechanism to be able to uh, understand emotions or feelings. Um, But I know that there's a lot more to process through now just because of all of the interactions that are coming at us every single day.
1: Fair enough. I I think we have lost the uh, gift of gab. I think that uh, you're absolutely right. I never thought about it that way. Uh, we try and have at least one family dinner around the table without distractions, but even that's difficult. And, and you're right. I think, I think actually we, th- we've probably therapized when we just talked a little bit and, uh, yeah. getting yeah. back to that would be, would be a very positive thing. Now, Archie, we're coming to the end here. Where can people find out more about you? Um, should, and if they want to, to seek your advice. Sure. Uh,
3: The two easiest. So, the easiest place just go to my website, which is archiecares.com. If you are an Instagrammer, um, I'm very active on there, but I'm just going to warn you unless you want to see photos of the cutest three year old in the world and then a lot of mental health stuff, then don't go there because that's all you're going to find. But my Instagram is archie underscore cares. And uh, yeah, you you can get to my podcast, my email, and my phone number. Everything is on my website again, which is archiecares.
1: Wonderful. And everything, everybody will be, of course, available to you when this comes out as a podcast after it airs on the radio. So you'll be able to go to that venue as well to find out information. Archie, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. You're a wonderful guest to have.
3: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub.